You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Welcome back to the All's Caps Podcast, episode four now. Uh, I'm AP hockey writer Stephen Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. We are going to talk a little first Capitals adversity of the season, uh, all the injuries they've dealt with. Uh, we're going to bring on Joe Yurden, who covers the Buffalo Sabres, and talk this this guy Alex Ovechkin. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Carl. No, I've heard of him a couple of times. Yeah, the, the, the guy who just keeps scoring and, and, and see, somehow at age 36 is leading the league in goals, and we'll, we'll get to that later. But, Carl, first, uh, first losing streak of the season. I, I know the Capitals picked up a point in Florida uh, and kind of clawed back in that game, but kind of what do you make of, of kind of a little bit of the, the, the toughness that the Capitals are dealing with now? You, no Nick Backstrom, no TJ Oshie. Nick Dowd was out for a little bit. You're relying on on, on rookies. What do you kind of make of, of what this team is going through right now? Yeah, I mean, it's two two really really tough teams. You know, Tampa and Florida. Those are those are, those are tough, and 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 they're building too, and coming off of, you know, they're at home, and then Halloween party, get on the road, and then you know you're in Florida where the weather's nice. It, it's kind and the of, rookie it's party too. Tough. The rookie party was in Florida, but this week, by the way. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know if that was if that was common knowledge there. Um, so that's <laughs> rookie, party, rookie party as well. Um, that that definitely makes things tough. Like I was when I heard that rookie party was happening there. And everybody knows who's who's had a night out before. It's you know the next day it doesn't feel good, but you can rally. But that second day, and especially if you have these like these trainers now, like the Whoop and the Aura Ring and stuff, you can see how your recovery is not good that second day, and it's hard to play. And you may think that you're okay, you slept for ten hours that night or whatever it is, but there's something that goes on in your body, and and you're just not all there. And the fact that this game was in Florida was as close as it was. I mean. That's that's huge. That's huge for for the team to to be able to to claw a point out of that after having, you know, a, a bit of a, a run like that on and off the ice. So it, it's I mean, you you don't want to be losing too many games. You talk about the teams that do so good during the during the you know the season, the playoffs is is they don't have many losing streaks more than three games. They almost never do, and you, it's a it's a thing in the dressing room too. It says you know we don't lose two in a row and if you lose two in a row you definitely don't lose three in a three in a row you know it's just a it's just a saying and it's something that you really try and try and stick by so i mean i, I think you can chalk it up to uh, a tough tough set of teams on the road with yes some injuries for sure um but I mean, you, you just got to find a way to nip it right away and and the other guys need to step up like having having some uh, scoring by committee is is really going to help this team right now and 
you know, we, we said we're going to talk about Obi a bunch, but you can't rely on him all the time to score, even though it seems like he's going to score all the time. It's it's just tough to win that way. Yeah, and, and, and we'll get back to this. I, I want to talk a rookie party situation first, because this is this is a very hockey tradition where the rookies have to pay for, for a dinner and all of that. Do, do you remember yours? Because I'm sure at the time you weren't making a whole lot of money and you're paying for, for dinner for, for probably 15, 20 guys. Oh yeah, I remember it very, very clearly. I I was just uh, telling this story the other day because it, someone had asked about it, and uh, it was amazing. It was in Vancouver, and I didn't think I was actually going to be on the trip. And then and then Bruce called me last minute and just said, "Hey, like you're coming on the trip. Like we got you. You're you're coming up." And I remember just being so happy because I didn't think it was going to. But he had told me, Bruce had told me before I got sent down the last time that he really wanted me to get get on that trip because he knew it was Vancouver, my hometown and rookie party wanted me to get that out of the way. And so, you know, always, always be grateful that he, he, he got that. And then, yeah, we, we had an amazing, amazing time. I was, I thought I was being smart and well, I was smart. I'll say this because I did call my credit card company ahead of time and gave them a heads up that <laughs> there was going to be some charges coming through that were unlike my spending ha- habits. So, um, that was, I was the, I think the only guy that did that, um, and so I was planning on trying to pay for it as much as possible so I could earn the points. Cause I'm thinking, Oh, sweet. This, this uh, rookie dinner is going to get me a, a couple flights to, to Mexico at the end of the season, you know, with all the points we're going to gain. And so we went and had our dinner and, and this is funny. So I, I told this story too. It was, it was about me and Michael Neuber sitting next to each other at the, at the table. And, um, and, you know, it was probably three quarters of the way through the meal at this point. And I just said to him, I'm like, hey, Nubia, I bet, you know, I dare you, dare you to throw this asparagus, you know, at somebody or across the room or whatever. And he's just kind of like, he's like, no, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. I'm like, Nubia, just do it. Like, it'll be hilarious. No one will ever know. And so he kind of looks around and like, okay, picks it up and just hucks it across the room and he hits Jose Theodore. Right oh, no. Chin, chest area. And we're both just like, holy crap, like act cool. Don't, don't look around, like just whatever, just start talking. And so we're just hanging out and we're kind of looking out of the corner of our eyes and Jose is going past every single person at that table and grabbing him by the collar and asking if it was them. And we're just like, holy smokes, hopefully he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, he made it over to us and we were like two of the last guys that he had asked. And so he was pretty certain that it was that was one of us that did it. And we we're just thinking, oh, my gosh, like we're going to get absolutely railed here. And then all of a sudden, one of the quietest guys around, Tom Pody, sitting right beside me, he leans over and says, hey, Joe, it wasn't them. And he's like, what do you mean, Tom? It has to be these guys. It's like, no, I've been sitting here the entire time and Tom doesn't drink. So we knew he was like in the right frame of mind. And and Joe's like. He's like, you guys are so lucky. He's like, if I find out who did it, they're going to be dead. <laughs> just like, holy crap. He goes back to sit, sit, sit down in his spot. And then seconds later, a roasted tomato just comes flying <laughs> from his spot, hits the wall, explodes everywhere. We got in so much trouble for it. And we knew we were just killing ourselves laughing after that. But we we had an amazing, amazing night. I ended up paying the bill. It was That dinner, the dinner was was thirty thousand dollars oh my goodness and so yeah oh, and i have the i yeah i have the receipts still i've saved it and it is like from my waist down how long it is i'll, I'll post a picture of it one of these days because it's so funny it's faded now because it's been a while the, the, the good then, yeah no that the, 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 these these and you weren't making you weren't making like real nhl money at that point either well exactly so we were lucky that we had four rookies that were involved in this dinner so we got to all split it 
split it evenly. And then we went out after. So there was still a party after that. So I, I think when I, I ended up having to pay $10,000 for my rookie dinner and it was, I, I think it got capped after that at like 7,500 because, um, 10 is, is very outrageous and the 75 is outrageous as well, but you know, it's tradition. You, you're going to hopefully get 10 of those paid for at one point or however many, however long you play. But yeah, it is a, it's a weird tradition. It's a fun one. And it's some of the best memories that you, that you create in hockey. It's like the, it was the, usually the first or second date I'd always look for when the schedule would come out, I'd be like, okay, when can we have rookie party and when's all-star break? You know, it was like the two, the two <laughs> things that you kind of need to plan right at the beginning of the season. And we're always trying to find a good city. Canadian city is nice because the dollar dollars less or you know a place where there's not you know crazy tax like we're always it's funny that we think about that but it's just like you know you're always looking for a way to have have the best possible night yeah i i always say that to, to younger writers the drinks will always come back to you you're gonna you're gonna buy a beer now and someone's gonna buy you 10 beers over the next 10 years it's always gonna it's always <laughs> gonna come back to you you're always gonna have that uh the capitals this time they're, they're lucky too same same sort of thing uh alexi protos is up uh, Connor McMichael, Martin Faravari, and Hendrix Lapierre. So they did. They they same thing like you guys. They were able to kind of split it, split the the cost of, of a an expensive Fort Lauderdale area South Florida dinner rather than have one guy pay for it all. That's exactly right. And sometimes depending on the player, like you know, if you're if you're a first rounder or second rounder or whatever, then then yeah, they'll they'll usually hit you for the full thing. But sometimes if it's a guy that just got called up has hasn't played before, um, you know. It, for whatever reason, you'll you'll go with they'll get you with half now and then you know half again the next year if you're there full time or however it works. But yeah, it's it, the, the more guys you can have up there, the better. I think the time in Chicago, like the might have been the year they won in 2010, um, but I think they had like seven rookies. Troy Troy Brower was telling me about it when he it was I think it was his rookie party. He had like they had like some like six or seven rookies and they all had to pay you know whatever it was. It ended up getting it ended up getting quite cheap having that many guys so yeah the, the more you have the better otherwise it can be bad i've i've heard of one really bad one in san jose where one rookie was <laughs> he wasn't everybody's favorite and the other guy actually was but unfortunately for that guy he had to take uh, the brunt of it because they wanted to get after this one guy pretty good and and uh let's just say ten thousand was was chump change compared to what they had to pay so well, it, it yeah happened. Yeah, that's ten thousand for for a rookie. Ovi paying paying ten thousand for dinner is not going to be all that big a deal. Connor McMichael paying ten thousand is a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. If, if things don't go the right way, uh, you'd like to have that ten grand back somewhere down the line. Sure. Uh, and, and Connor McMichael, though, first NHL goal against Florida. Uh, are you eager to see him get going? Because this is a guy who he's played well, but the goals hadn't gone in for him until until Thursday night. Yeah, I am, and I you know what I'm not I'm not so worried about it because if you look back at look back even when Tom was came in, you know, he, he played a fourth line role. He, he would grind, he would grind every single night, just do whatever he had to do. And, you know, wasn't always putting up a ton of numbers, but was just doing the right things and being a good teammate and everybody loved him. And that's, that's kind of, you know, you don't have to, it, it's, it's really rare. And I guess we sometimes forget about it because we had guys like Ovi and Backy and there's been so many good young guys, McDavid's Eichel that, that have come in and been, just impact players right from the get-go and it's tough to do that and so if you're not thrown on the first line right away and first power play unit and all that stuff then then yeah you're gonna have to find another way to kind of grind it out and and figure out what your path is going to be and 
and it's totally fine. You know, put them, just, just let, let them kind of develop, let them feel comfortable. You, you got a rookie part out of the way and, and you're going to really start to, to feel, feel better out there. And, you know, I, I'm just happy yeah, to see, see him get a goal and, and, and hopefully start to fill it a little bit more, but, but not just that, but do, do the right things. And that's, that's something that I think everybody else will really respect. And then, you know, like Tom goals will come and, and, a and a more, more sure spot on the team, you know, or, or short, sure role on the team will, will get carved out for you. Right. I, I love when you bring up old names and Tom Pody is definitely a guy we're gonna have to have on this show at some point. <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll ever come on. Tom doesn't, Tom's pretty quiet. I don't know if we could even find him these days. Well, here's, here's the thing. So I was, I, I was trying to TJ Beagle up for some stories about you the other, about last week. Um, we're going to get Jay on when the Coyotes play the Caps in, in, in April. He didn't have any stories. He just kept saying how good a guy you are. I said, this is not good for the podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always try and be as squeaky clean as possible. I got, I mean, Beagle says it. We've got a couple funny, I got, I guess probably I have funny ones of, of Jay more than he would have of me because me and Beagle were tight in 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 the mine well we were our entire careers but but in the minors and Hershey we were we were roommates in the hotels we had some really good nights out um you know when we when we were in Hershey and even one or two when we were in Washington and we worked out together in the summer so I got a lot I got a lot of jades whether or not whether or not he's okay with with me telling them because he's a pretty private guy I don't think I think everybody knows he's not on social media, barely knows how to work an iPhone. So it's it's just, it would be really fun to have him out to uh, to see if he can let us talk about some of the things he's done. And look, we don't even know where Jay's going to be playing by after the trade deadline. Uh, I, I, I've been saying and, and kind of banging the drum on the Capitals should bring Jay back because th- this team needs a guy who can win faceoffs reliably, kill penalties. If there's any cap space left on earth for this team, they should bring Jay back. Yeah, you know what? That could be a good thing for him too. Like, yeah, I feel like he would lay it all out on the line just just to be back for a little bit, hang out with the guys, and and do his job. You know, he had he was so successful. Like, the guy's career arc is just amazing. The fact that he was he's been able to do what he's done, coming from where he came from, and like literally climbing every rung of the ladder to get to the top. It's it's just one of those guys that the team. He, I think he would be so fired up to come back. The team would be fired up to have him. We know the fans would be fired up to have him. He's he's a he's one of the all time best, and and the media too. Like he's he's just a oh, great guy. Him. So yeah, he, you know, he, 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 he did remind me that 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 he's older than you. <laughs> yes, he is. He's older and wiser and stronger. Right. Um, we will be uh, we'll be right back on all caps. We're going to bring in Joe Yurden, who covers the Buffalo Sabers, uh, and, and and talk about a couple of old Capitals favorites: Cody Eakin, uh, Craig Anderson, of course, the, the Jack Eichel trade. And we'll get into some Alex Ovechkin stuff a little bit later. We'll be right back on all caps. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Welcome back to the All's Caps Podcast. I'm AP hockey writer Stephen Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. We are joined by Joe Yurden, who covers, has covered the Buffalo Sabres for many years. Uh, we're going to talk a little, uh, some, some Capitals alumni who are, are having some, some times up in, in Buffalo right now. Joe, uh, how's, how's our old buddy Craig Anderson doing? You know, Craig's looking like uh, he's looking like a fish out of water, man. He's uh, not looking like a fish out of water. Jeez, I should say. Maybe I need coffee this morning. I, uh, he looks great. Uh, it's it's pretty wild to see that he looks great, considering he was about this close to retiring in the offseason. And the fact that he's the Sabre starter is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I I can't believe that this is this is a guy who started a, a playoff game for the Capitals. Now uh, you're going to see him probably in, in Washington on Monday night in a Sabres uniform. Where at the end of free agency day, he signed a contract, and, and we were all kind of looking around like, I can't believe this guy got a contract. And, and and all of a sudden now, it's like he's found the fountain of youth. Yeah, it's it, it said something about him. I think uh, that he took this on, and he, when he you know. When he signed on and he came in and he came into training camp, one of the things that he he talked about was that was a reason for him to come to Buffalo was that, you know, he was he was coming on as, in kind of a mentor sort of role because you know he had Ukopekalukin in sure. camp, and you know there that was a big opportunity for him to 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 maybe be Anderson's backup, uh, and and seize the role. You know that didn't work out that way, so instead. Now you've got Craig Anderson saying, all right, well, forget it. I'll start now and, and let's roll from there. And it, honestly, right now, it seems pretty – it's it's helping Buffalo to, to to steal some wins here early on because uh, in, all of his, in all of his starts, he's looked like the guy that I would usually see stymieing Buffalo, uh, whether he was with Ottawa or anywhere else. He's – it's – it's been great. Even, even when he's, you know, against Montreal opening night, Habs fans were just kind of like, great. He's going to totally steal this game from us. And he shut down, he shut down everybody basically. Yeah. Carl, Carl, did you play against Craig Anderson? Oh oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember him in in Ottawa, especially he had a couple, couple times when he was just brick wall. You know, there's, there's some guys that you can vividly remember their performances and, and Craig's that guy. And the thing that I think is, interesting like you know there's there's been there's been you know a decent amount of of turnover with uh with guys and in buffalo and i think having a guy like craig just like guy's been through so much not only in hockey but away from hockey that sometimes having someone like that in the dress room around the guys can can just i don't know he, he brings that brings a presence a certain presence to a team and i feel like that's got to be good for for a team like buffalo that know has had some tough times but also going through everything that was going on behind the scenes here with with jack and and the team so i i don't know i feel like that's probably a good fit it makes sense yeah i i i don't like reminding carl how old he is but it's nice when we were talking about guys you played with and against <laughs> yes exactly that, that's a uh, you know what the fact that he's still going and as a goalie uh, i i couldn't imagine because some of the guys i've talked to that are goalies their their bodies are just shot you know they break down so early so to be able to to continue to play and, and play at a high level, hats off. Yeah, and Caps fans of a certain vintage will, will know Cody Eakin, uh, a, a Capitals draft pick. He was traded to Dallas for Mike Ribeiro. He's in Buffalo now. I think he's been in and out of the lineup, right, Joe? Like, what's 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 the uh, what's the Cody Eakin deal for for his time in Buffalo? Yeah, he's been in and out for for you know he had a, a, a minor knock, a little injury there, but he uh, he he's a guy who the opinion on him is is ice cold. In Buffalo is after last season. I, I I have to imagine the opinion of most guys that were on last season's Sabres team is pretty low. That's about right. Uh, but but Eakin, 
you could you could argue and very strongly win the argument by saying Eakin was the worst player on the Sabres last season, which is it sounds damning, which it kind of is. Uh, but he's he's been put on a line. He started off on a line with Zemgus Gergensen and Kyle Opozo this year, which normally would sound like, oh boy, that's that sounds like a terrible line. But Gergensen and Opozo have been two of their best, most consistent players, which again sounds like damning with faint praise, but they've been really good. <laughs> so it's it, it's it sound it's everything that sounds like it's it's being negative or being sarcastic or snarky, but it's not. And Eakin, you know, since he's come back from uh, the the injury, it's been a little different. Of course, the Sabres have looked a little different now uh, that they've gotten on the gotten on the road and and the matchups change. But uh, but Eakin's improved, and that's honestly great to see because yeah, you don't want to see guys struggle the way he did last year, and you don't want to see guys have bad seasons like that, especially when fans are you know. Fans get—I don't know if you knew this. Sabres <laughs> fans get a little angry sometimes, and you don't want to be the focus of their ire. Yeah. Uh, well, Carl, what was Cody like as a as a teammate? Oh, he was good. He was, I mean, I played with him when he was pretty young, and yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit up and down, um, you know, from the minors and 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 then in, in Washington. But he was—he was one of those guys. I I say he's kind of like similar to what Matthew Perot was. Like when when he came up. He was just one of the guys that the older guys wanted to hang out with because he was, I don't know, he's fun, fun to have around. His nickname was Squeak, and we, we just thought he was kind of like, you know, he would just, he would be there. You know, we, we would go out to do something, and he would be there. You know, you'd be um, playing ping pong, and he would be there just kind of watching. You know, he's just one of those guys that was always around, and, you know, you kind of loved him for it. It was just so you can, can wanna count, on, count on, on Squeak to be there. And and I really like that about him, and I love that he was he started you know finding his footing, and I think had a had a really good time in in Dallas there. And I'm curious, um, Joe, what was when when he came into Buffalo? Like, what do you think the the picture was for him? What was his role supposed to be? Like, was he going to be relied on as as a as a checker, as a grinder, or, or or what was his what was his role supposed to be? I I think they were looking at him as as a guy who could be in that bottom six and take charge of one of the, you know, one of those lines and be able to be a steady sort of two-way guy, but mostly focusing on the defense. And he, he was, he was a guy that it seemed like a bit of an odd signing for Buffalo because it, you know, they, Buffalo was in a, but they were in a weird place last year where, you know, they went in with all the hope of, you know, Hey, maybe Ralph Kruger's going to improve things here. Things are going to take off. Um, you know, the COVID year and everything was, it was really strange, but, uh, but Eakin came in and, and, you know, people that are into advanced stats hated the signing, uh, people that, that remember how he played for Vegas, uh, the, the year they, they stormed to the final, loved the signing because he scored 20 goals that year. People are like, Hey, maybe we got something here. And it turned out to be not that great, but, uh, but I think he was put in some spots where he wasn't really going to have success and you know obviously Ralph's system did not work uh in Buffalo so he was a lot of the ire was was kind of pointed towards him and you know it was pointed towards mostly Ralph Kruger but but Cody saw a fair amount of it because he just seemed like a, a signing that didn't make sense for Buffalo and I that's always unfair uh to me but um but at the same point his play didn't really help def- deflect any of that criticism yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I forgot he was on that Golden Knights team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, went, they went to the final. 
Uh, <laughs> I will say, I will say this, that, you know, when, when you go, when you are on a team like Vegas, uh, it was clearly a, a great place to play. They had a lot of fun and you go to the finals and then, you know, you, you leave and you go to a place during COVID where you, you can't do anything and you probably barely even know the guys because you can't even hang out with them a whole lot during the season. Uh, that's got to be a really, really tough position to be in. And, and when your team's not doing good and there's so much stuff going on, you know, in the dressing room and even outside the dressing room, that that's a tough spot to, to get through something mentally. So, I mean, I, I can, I can understand that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's hard when, when fans and, uh, and people start trying to find reasons why when a team's not doing good and they decide to pick your name, it's, it, it's an uphill climb after that. Yeah. You don't know anything about that from Montreal, do you? I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I can't relate. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want Joe's thoughts on the Jack Eichel trade, but quickly, Carl, uh, Jack Eichel is not, obviously not a guy that the Caps are going to see on Monday. Uh, no one in the NHL is going to see him. Uh, what do you make of, of, of him going to Vegas? Is that's obviously one of the biggest stories in the NHL this week? Oh, huge story. Yeah. I mean, this is looking at the, uh, the projected lineup and I know it's quite a bit over, over the cap, although quite a bit. Yes. Yes. Now, um, that, that projected lineup is legit. Like that, that is a, a, a very, very tough team to play. If, if they can find a way to get a majority of those guys, guys in there and, and, and Jack is, I mean, Joe, you, you, you've seen it first time, probably this with, he doesn't get enough credit for some of the things he does on the ice besides scoring goals like the guy is an elite passer he's got a a, a, i would say a unique skating stride but it's so fast this is the longest stride ever it's like it never ends and he just picks up so much speed and if if he can be happy and enjoy hockey and and be healthy this guy is going to be back to the top five where everybody thought thought that he was when he when he first came in the league so this is it's a very it was like it was dragging on so long that you started to go the opposite. Like, does somebody really want to take a chance on this guy? But now that the trade has happened, it's kind of like, yeah, great play. Like, they got Jack Eichel. It's so weird how, how you, your tune can change so fast, you know? He's, you, I'm glad you mentioned his his speed and the stride being looking like kind of nonchalant because you know, when things started to turn sour here a little bit, people would see that here and be like, oh, look, this guy isn't even trying. And I, I said, you don't understand. <laughs> like you almost have to be, you almost have to sit like ice, you know, down by the, down by the glass to be able to really appreciate how fast he's moving because it, it, his movement is so smooth. And it, I, my, the only comparison I can make was, was to how Mariano Rivera throws a fastball where you see the skinny dude and you're just like, how the heck is this guy doesn't throw it nearly, nearly a hundred. What the heck? And then he's throwing, you know, he's throwing, uh, He's throwing pitches, you know, 95 miles an hour on the corner and on your hands and there's strikes all the time. And you're just like, oh, okay, great. But, uh, but I mean, in Jack's case, he's got all those tools. He's got all that ability and you're just, you're, you're always blown away by it. And I think it, it's really sad it went underappreciated here. Carl, I can't imagine what it was like trying to defend a guy like that. It was tough. I mean, I, that, cause he's, he's long too. He's got a long reach, long stick. He's got speed can seem seems to be able to just pass it pass the puck when it's not even in an ideal position i i don't know i just i i'd say that he of, of all the of all the elite guys like i'd say he gave us quite a few fits you know even though we a lot of times found ways to win games against them he was still that guy that just found a way to just be good you know and 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 take your take your all your attention away so those guys are scary, and like I said, it, there's so much 
so much that goes into all sports. When you're when you feel good and you're excited, you play good. And that's a guy. He's going to get a taste of some playoff hockey and and a, you know a crazy crowd there in Vegas. He's I think he's going to be fine as long as he can recover from from this injury. I think he's going to be okay. But it's funny. I'm just going to go off for a second here, talking about you know uh, people saying you know a stride might not be. No, it might not look like he's trying. <laughs> a hilarious example of that in a practice one time with with me and, and the defense when we were in Montreal. We were they dumped a puck and the coaches dumped a puck and we had to go and pick up that puck and then quick feet around the net and make a breakout pass. It's pretty simple. And so we all went and uh, and just normal stuff. And the coach comes by and says, "You guys aren't like you guys got to move your feet faster. Like it's got to you know you got to turn them over, crossover, crossover." And, you know, kind of goes against a lot of the conventional talk on, you know, like a, a, a powerful stride. And so I said, I'm like, okay, guys, watch this. So the next one, I legit just like high knees the entire way. I probably took 30 crossovers where it should have been <laughs> six. And as soon as I got to the other side of the net, I just snapped the puck to the blue line. And the coach goes, exactly, that's exactly it. Just how Carl did it right there. Quick feet. And you'll be out of the zone in no time. <laughs> I get back to the line and all the guys' faces are red because they're trying to hold in their laughter. And it was just one of those things that it's perception sometimes, right? It goes so much further. If people think that you're skating fast, then you're skating fast. If you're cross-checking guys in front of the net, you're tough. And so much of it is is perception. And, and it's unfortunate that it can change on a player just like that. And it's darn near impossible to get out of it after. Yeah, uh, Joe. Joe uh, what what should the Capitals and Capitals fans expect from the Sabers? Because thank God this team's not playing eight times this year. But but Monday night is, is the is the first uh, in DC. Are you saying you're, you you miss the Sabers or or what was I, that mean exactly? I, I'm, I'm saying I miss chefs in Buffalo. I don't miss seeing the Sabers eight times a year. <laughs> um, as far as what they can expect, uh, what I've really enjoyed about the style of play that Don Granado's put in for this team is that it's it's aggressive all over the ice. Previous Sabres teams were kind of content to let teams rush at them, you know, pick them up at maybe the red line and then, you know, figure out what you do from there. Uh, the Sabres forecheck everywhere. They're up on top of everything. They're they're right in your face and they try to make you, try to force mistakes closer <laughs> closer to your own net uh, than not. And to me that's that's such a different way of doing things because you'd see that occasionally here every now and again when they were pressing to try to get a goal uh but trying to play that way for you know for a full game is pretty good because they've got a lot of guys that can forecheck really well um so that in that case you know they, the caps have to be smart you know when they start out of their zone they got to be ready for 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 guys to be right in their face and to be ready to steal the puck away um and now the last few games it's been a little bit more of a struggle um I, and i attribute that to being on the road and not getting the matchup you want which you know i know that's a big deal for for coaches but it really seemed to be a big deal for buffalo because a lot of the guys that really shined uh early on uh while they were playing a ton of home games didn't look that great uh on the road so i you know if 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 they're able to to really adjust how if the caps could adjust their lines and how they deploy them uh, they they should be able to handle things pretty easily. Besides, that Ovechkin guy seems to have scored about three hundred of his seven hundred and forty <laughs> goals against Buffalo. Uh, yeah, he he, he a, a few, quite a few, I think. Uh, <laughs> Carl, Carl, can, you do you want to, you want to give Joe your rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so just give you a quick rundown, Joe. It's it's just just 
it's kind of dumb questions. I just, like I said, want to want to ask a few and just see what you uh, what you come up with. Um, it's all for fun. Points don't matter, but I'm going to give you a score after, anyways. <laughs> to see where everybody everything shakes out in the end here. Okay, so first one here is if you could cover any team besides Buffalo, which team do you think it would be that you'd like to like to cover? Uh, <laughs> that's, um, can I say any of the other 31 teams? Is that, is that being too rude? Um, <laughs> you know what? The, the team I would pick would be the Flyers, honestly, uh, because the Flyers beat is never boring. Uh, the Flyers are always fascinating. Uh, the fans are so intense about the Flyers. It's, it's scary. Um, but I love everything about how chill that room can be. Um, and I don't know how it would be now without Jake Voracek being there, but, um, but like it's, I've always enjoyed every time I've either been to Philly or Philly's come to town because if I, I knew if I needed to, to, to work on something that had to do, had to do with Philly, I was going to have fun doing it. So um, to do that for a full season for whatever amount of time would be pretty cool. Absolutely. I've heard that actually about the Flyers dressing room. It's something to be seen. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this one. Uh, I can relate to this a lot. I mean, I'm so happy that we have spell check because I'll write a text out and the entire text will be corrected. Um, so is there a certain word that you misspell all the time? For me, I'll tell you, it's restaurant. I can never spell restaurant no matter what. Uh, do you have one that's like that? Anything that, that follows the I before E except after C rule uh gets me every time because for whatever reason my brain just scrambles so if i need to do perceive or receive like these are these are basic you know basic words that you use in transition and always i'm just kind of like okay p e r c i c e c i i do it every time it stops me dead in my tracks and thank god for spell check in writing because i there's i would probably get screamed at by editors like can you spell this correct please just god you, everything else looks fine but you can't you can't do this one thing yeah exactly uh, carl carl my, my, mine's privilege I can, I, I can never on the first chance get privilege right yes i yeah i'm trying to think about it right now i, I would definitely just pass on that <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay next one here is uh who would you say is the nicest person you know in either reporting or players that you've talked to Ooh, uh, nice is, oh man, it's, I don't want to slight any of my, my writing colleagues because everybody's been pretty nice to me. Um, so I put everybody as the one A through Z there, but as far as players go, Kyle Pozo is, is a prince of a person. Wayne Simmons is great. Uh, Drew Stafford was awesome. Just the, I like guys who are just laid back they're, they're cool they realize that the press is part of the job and they're just kind of like all right usually it's just that only happens with older players which hey that's fine by me um but uh but guys like that were always really chill you're ryan miller i i barely got to hang out with ryan miller here he was traded you know three quarters of the way in my first season in buffalo but um but he was always really kind of the same way it was tough to to get a chance to talk to him a lot because you know game days he wouldn't talk um he wouldn't talk in the mornings in practice you know he, sometimes he'd be waiting him out or, or whatever but uh but those guys stick out to me as as ones that are really great to talk to jake voracek too just i, I just strictly on the business side of things voracek rules because he does not 
he does not censor himself whatsoever. Yeah. He just says whatever's on his mind. <laughs> so true. Um, okay, so you you got a late night. You're trying to get trying to get a story down here. What is your late night snack? What are you going for? Ooh, I'm a huge popcorn guy, and not press box popcorn because <laughs> press box popcorn is the cool. bane of my existence. That for whatever reason, popcorn smells awesome all the time, and like I make it on the stove at home. Like that's that's my go-to thing. But at the arena, nothing smells worse to me than than the arena popcorn. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just the thing in Buffalo, but my God, like somebody would bring it down like between period, you know, between periods and like just sitting through the second period, somebody's house and some popcorn. I'm just like, what stinks? And I look over and it's popcorn. And I'm just like, oh my, how does I was like, how does how does popcorn smell bad? But unbelievable. But I guess when you're bringing it up in like a 20 pound uh, garbage bag. Yeah. Uh, to carry around, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's some inside inside sports stuff. People people don't want to hear about their popcorn. It's been made for like two days already, just sitting there in a garbage bag. The, the, yeah. the one in DC is not bad, Joe. The, the 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 Capital One Arena press box popcorn is it, it passes the the grade. It's okay. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that, but man, it, what it was just like one of those things here that would irk me. Like I, you know, I'm trying to not stress out about writing because writing on, you know, you know, to have a piece in at the, at the buzzer uh, is stressful. And, you know, you know, especially if you got editors that are real, are real ball busters, you know, <laughs> and if you're trying to get all that done and then you, you just get distracted by something like just any sort of sensory distraction can just like tear your mind out of it. And the popcorn would get me every single thing. Like I, a game would be going on and the game would better be really exciting. So that way I'm not thinking about how bad that stuff smells. <laughs> Speaking of good, good smells though, is, is I remember every time we come in after a game in Buffalo and the smell of the, the hot wings oh, that we sit in the room. Oh my goodness, guys. It was so funny. The trainers are already be digging into it. Coaches be digging into it. Couldn't wait to finish a game just so you could get those hot wings in you. So can I can I tell you how much it pained us? Because anytime I had to go in the visiting room after the game, you'd smell it in the hallway, waiting to go into the room, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" And I've I've literally never had the pizza or wings from that from the place that everybody seems to order from Ricotta's. Um, I've yeah. never got it from there, but it always smells like the greatest food on earth every time <laughs> yes. I go in. And I'll tell you what, only in seven or eight years, I've only seen ever seen one team not have I'll take it back two teams but the one that stood out to me was the uh was the Dallas Aikens Edmonton Oilers where mm. they are they, where they made a big deal about not having donuts in the uh in the uh, the press room for yep. for media but on the road it was it was strictly fruits and veggies and and like granola bars and stuff like that I'm just like man I don't know if I'm playing a, if I'm playing like 25 minutes a night I kind of want some wings and pizza after the game please yeah Absolutely. Yeah. At that point, you're just eating anything. You're just trying to survive. <laughs> um, okay. So we got two more for you. Um, I want to know your, your opinion, the three best players in the league, not named McDavid and Crosby. Oh man. Um, I love, uh, I'm a big sucker for Roman Yossi. I love the way he plays defense and same for Victor Hedman. Like the, I, 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 I don't, I hate being that guy that just picks out defensemen in a, in a league that's got so many great scorers, but like those two really stick out to me. And I, I absolutely love the way they play. Um, Hedman to me is just, I get why every Swedish defenseman, and we've, we've had a lot here in Buffalo always refers to Hedman as a guy that they look up to. I, I it kind of shows their age too, but, um, but like that's, 
that's what impresses me about them. And and honestly, if if it's a guy that I can that I'm pumped up to cover, it's Ovi. You know, it's always been Ovi for me because that dude is he's just such a freak of nature. Like I, he's one of those guys that you think about. Like if he played in a different era, like I think of Ovi if he played in the '80s, like in Gretzky's era, would he score 130 goals a season? <laughs> yeah. He might probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. Like you know, taking somebody who's just a, a factor of their time and putting him in a, in an era where like guys weren't as big as him, guys didn't shoot as hard as he did, and guys that's you know guys that play his position didn't go out and hit people unless they were a, a 300 penalty minute a night or a, a season guy. So you know, like guys that you can that you can say you can pull them out of this generation, put them in another one, and they would be, you know, so much better than everybody else. Those those are the guys I really like to watch. That's why Crosby and and, and McDavid are amazing. But a guy like Ovi, I don't I can't imagine how teams in the 80s would have dealt with Ovi. I'm sure they would have sent every every hack after him <laughs> to try to beat him. But uh but like yeah, yeah. Ovi, Headman, Yossi. I'm kind of aged out because a lot of the guys I really like to watch have, have retired or moved on. But um that's but good. yeah, you're, yeah, you're a solid defenseman too. So I can appreciate that. You're getting extra point. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it was my position in floor hockey when I when I was playing in, uh, playing in college. So yeah, there you go. All right, last one here is. I mean, okay. So obviously, you've had some had some tough years there in Buffalo. But what would what what still would be your, your favorite thing about covering hockey, covering the league? Because I mean, there's there's so many good things about hockey. I, I find it to be. You know, obviously, I'm a little biased, but I just find the league to be the most most interesting. And it's tough sometimes to get things out of the players, like you said, when you get a guy like Jake Borchek, who who is not so censored, it's it's great. And so there can be there can be some some tough answers given, I'm sure. But all that being said, what, what's your favorite thing about covering covering hockey and covering the NHL? I I've been a hockey fan since I was three or four years old. Um, and I'm the classic example of those who can't do, do something else to do with it. Um, I'm certainly not trying to teach, uh, but writing about it was, was the next, was the next best thing for me. And just everything about the sport is incredible to me. The, uh, the, the, you know, the athletic ability of everybody who plays it, uh, the high level that you have to be to do anything like that. I mean, it, it's always good to go back and watch you know, if you go back and watch like even like a high school game or a junior level game or, you know, even a college game where the, the everything is else is at a slower tempo, slower pace, and the skill isn't as good. And you get to appreciate really quick as, as how good the NHL is. And that's that's the thing for me is that, you know, it, I, I always like to say that every game is its own story, which is just which is a good thing. I get to write game stories sometimes because that makes it makes it a little easier to do the job but um but there's that part of it and you know the other part for me was talking to guys off the record you know about maybe you know if it's not about their life then it's about like things that they see on the ice that you know don't make sense to put into a story especially a game story uh but things that are good to notice about the game and learning about more about it because i've i've never been more humbled than than trying to then asking a question to a coach or a player about something that I saw on the ice. And I was like, how come that, you know, why did that happen that way? And they're like, well, what you thought you thought is completely wrong. And let me tell you why. Like that to me is, is always good because I, you know, I, I don't embarrass easily, honestly, but, um, but getting to, to learn more about 
things like that is that's that to me is great because it, it keeps the brain stimulated for sure yeah not uh, i mean i i can agree with all that stuff and you know what you did really good here i'm going to go ahead and give you an 87 that puts you in the first place we've had two two guests do it and and uh, you're first so congratulations on wow on your uh, on your victory so far that's, that's, be- that's better than I did in college, so I'll take it. Joe, Joe's the leader in the clubhouse on this. Leader uh, in the clubhouse, yeah. Uh, yeah Joe, th- th- thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back on, on All's Caps. Carl and I, I think I want to spend the next segment just talking exact- entirely about Alex Ovechkin. So I hope every- everybody's okay with uh, 10 minutes about Ovi's first 10 goals of the season. Uh, we'll be right back on All's Caps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back on, on All's Caps. I'm AP hockey writer Stephen Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. That was that was some some nice stuff about uh, about Joe and, and our old buddy uh, Cody Aiken, right, Carl? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I love hearing uh, hearing a few things from from guys on different teams and covering different teams because you know we only get to see it a, a little bit. So someone who's around the room and gets to hear the rumblings and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I had no idea that that squeak had had you know uh, a tough time last year it's everyone in buffalo had a tough time last year let's let's, let's be fair uh, yeah let's be fair there but it's so it's interesting to just hear hear somebody else talk about it and and get some of the reasons why and and yeah just their point of view on on some stuff he had some awesome answers and in our uh, whatever we're going to call it, the Sudden Death Six, who knows? Someone has got a good good name for the segment let us know but love that he gave some some uh shout outs to two defensemen and and uh, one of the answers there in OV. So yeah, that was that was that was nice to have him on. It was good to chat. And and, and we talked press box popcorn. At some point, we'll bring up the the, the hot dogs in Montreal because that's the probably the best arena food in the entire league, in my opinion. I it's definitely up there. It was it was hard to skate around in Montreal after <laughs> when the game started. And 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 as your story about the the coach in, in the coaching in Montreal too. You look back at that season, you can understand a lot of why that team wasn't very good. Oh yeah, it was it was rude. I mean, I, it was it was tough to deal with, but hey, we we survived. We're still here to talk about it. So yeah, we'll get after it at some point. I you know don't need to to harp on them too much, but it's also I think it's just interesting to know how how different things can be from place to place. And I've heard it from so many guys that have left left Washington. Um, how things are just completely different than than what they had expected and hoped to see. And so yeah, it's it's kind of an eye opening experience to to leave a place that's really great and uh and go somewhere else where the experience just isn't the same so we can have tons of stories about that i, I always try to say to people like as you're going through like a tough time in life like as long as everybody kind of is okay and survives it's always going to be a funny story someday if you have, you have a bad day and, and, and a bad thing you're always going to have a fun funny story to tell at some point that's exactly it you just it's so hard to just take yourself back from what's happening right then and and we've said that so many times said to my wife too it's like this is what's happening right now is absolutely hilarious and she's like it's not fun <laughs> it's it's not cool and i'm like just think about it for one sec just step back and think about what's happening and whether it's kids going going crazy or like oh man some funny kid stories about poop in the airport and, <laughs> and that it's just 
when you, when you can just separate yourself for a second and realize that I think that, I mean, I think everybody's happier that way. If you can not always take yourself so seriously, especially in a business like this too, or in any, any, really any business, because there's going to be people who are busting your balls and days that are bad and you're not going to feel good. So you have to just be able to laugh sometimes and, and you're fine in the end. Yeah. And, and we've all been through a, a pandemic, right? Like, like we, how, how do you take yourself seriously after all this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone spent a lot of time with themselves. And I think that, that we can just kind of realize that there's things that are a little bit uh, tougher to deal with sometimes than, uh, you know, the whipped cream I had on my, uh, on my peppermint mocha yesterday that I had to scoop out by my head with my hand. It's not such a big deal when you think about it like that. It's not. This, 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 this has been the existential uh, segment of All's Caps, uh, kind of talking life philosophy with Carl Osner. Um, can we? Uh, I feel like every time, like, sorry, I, this is a, taking me behind the curtains on the other side, where whenever we're talking to Brian McClellan and we go in that little conference room at, at MedStar, and we always ask, like, the third, like the third defensive pair, and and this and that, and your goalie future, and all that, and we always forget to ask about Alex Ovechkin, and it just, it's one of those things where like he's just so good that I don't know what to say. Uh, he, he's got ten goals now to start the season. He he is at thirty six years old, somehow doing this. Can you explain this from 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 your time playing with Alex? Can you explain kind of how, what makes him tick that allows him to do this? Well, I I think it's that he has so many tools. You know, it's 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 hard to explain. So I, I don't want this to sound as like a as a slight in any way, but his main focus is scoring goals. You know, it's not, and he's he's a he's a great passer. We we can't we can't forget to give him credit for that, but. He focuses on scoring goals. He's not, um, you know. Let's think of a, let's think more. I don't know. Let's let's go back to Jay Beagle. You know, he where his he was focused on winning faceoffs, playing great D, and then trying to grind it out in the offensive zone. You know, when he could. You know, that that's what he focused on. Then there's some guys who are you know trying to focus on, you know, playing great D as well as trying to score goals. You know, there's a lot going on. Ovi's never been relied on heavily to play great D, play in the D zone. You know, his his job is to score those goals. And so he's been able to spend some time, it seems like, focusing on different ways to score the goals. And there's so many players in the league that are one-dimensional. I mean, I was a one-dimensional player. I was I was pretty much strictly defensive hockey and and you know you have to be able to find new ways to get better and he's and i don't think he's i think well you look at the the year that the caps won the cup that was as two-dimensional three-dimensional as you've ever seen him you know he was he was great defensively he was great with the puck he was you know physical and he was scoring and when you when you're able to have all those tools in your bag and then focus on which ones you want to focus on it's been it's been fun to see him kind of grow throughout the entire career and everybody always says it that you know you think you're going to stop him with the one timer on the power play or you know it's no secret always going to shoot on the power play one timers this and that and then he goes out and does it off the rush where he burns a guy through the legs and you know takes it to the cage or there's a time where he shoots it from just inside the blue line you know or he's in front of the net grinding to tip pucks like the guy doesn't get enough credit for how many different ways he can score. So he is, you know, mainly offensive, but he's as far from one-dimensional offensive as you can get. Like I tell you, one time I got in so much trouble is the first game back in Washington 
with the with the Habs. I think we lost like five one or something. It was just a blowout. And I think this they scored four goals in the first period or something like that. Anyways, I was I was checking Ovi and you know it was my first real taste of what it's like to to try and push that big body around and managed to get him out from in front of the net to maybe, I don't know, in between the hash marks, probably closer to the top of the circle. And a puck was coming from the point. And I remember, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lift his stick here so he can't tip it because I know he's he's pretty good at tipping pucks. So I go to lift his stick up, and out of nowhere, he just lifts it up even higher so that my stick goes flying in the air. And then he's coming back and just swats at this puck, tips it straight down through the goalie's legs, and I'm just like, holy smokes. Like, that was that was a really, really good play. And that was really perfectly timed. And I didn't realize how, how good he was just at that facet of the game. And so it's just one of those things where he just continues to find different ways to score. And he is not just a one-timer, you know, from, no. from that uh, top of the circle on the power play. He is a little bit of everything. Yeah. And congratulations to Florida Panthers goalie, Spencer Knight. He's the 150th different goalie Alex Ovechkin has scored against. How many goals did you score against Carl? I don't even know. <laughs> a, a, a grand total of twenty in your career, so we uh, we'll, 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 we'll we'll count them up later. Um, Nineteen is one of Zobies. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking we are we were talking. You brought up Jay Beagle earlier that uh, he was he's on Arizona's top line right now uh, with Liam O'Brien and, and Andrew Ladd, which is somehow a, a top line. No disrespect to, to Jay and those guys, uh, but do you remember when when uh, Adam Oates put Alex Ovechkin? with Joey Crab and, and Jay on a line. Do you remember this game? I don't remember that game, but that's a really interesting setup right there. It was it was in Jersey. I think it was the day that Matt Hendricks' twins were born. If that mm. if that helps you, if that gives you any context. I remember because Adam Oates was insistent on Alex Ovechkin being a right winger. It was just his thing. He came, he's like, Alex Ovechkin's been playing his offside his whole career. This was back when kind of Alex was, was having a little bit of a downslide in his career. And he's like, fine, if you want to play on the on left wing, we're going to put you with Jay Beagle and Joey Crab. And suffice it to say, it didn't go that well. Yeah, well, you know what? There's a lot of things Oates he tried that were, were just uh, somewhat unconventional or just different. You know, yep. he, I don't know. I'm sure everybody knows about him and, and the curves of hockey sticks. And oh, yeah. Up- change he he had a lot of things i understand you want you want lefties on the left side righties on the right i get that but it's i mean always always he can play wherever he wants to play you know just put him out there and he's he's going to be okay but clearly he likes the left side let him play the left side he's 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 a good good enough player to figure out on the offside there's some guys that can't you know i i i get that but you know he can and and leave it there but i i do remember there's there was times when um when Dale Hunter was, was our coach and he, um, we were, we were, we were a gritty team that I think we, we would grind out victories. We would, we would win on the power play and we wouldn't let any other team score five on five. It was, it was, I liked it. It was fun hockey for me, but I remember Ovi and, and Semin, um, that they, they didn't like, you know, the responsibility that was being given to them from Dale. And, uh, and I remember Dale came in one time and, and told them, he's like, you guys aren't scoring right now, so you're not goal scorers, you guys are plumbers. And plumbers yep. plumb. And I remember Ovi just being shocked by that. Like, what's a plumber? Like, I don't get it. And it was just one of those things where it's just, you know, there's some guys that can, you know, that will do that. But I think you just let this guy focus on scoring goals right now. It's, it's clearly what he does best. And 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 somebody else, you know, you put him with a guy that can that, that plays with 200 feet and, and, and let them focus on 200 feet, let Ovi focus on what he needs to do. 
that that Dale Hunter year, and, and I, I hope you remember this game. It was the playoffs against the Rangers in, in the second round in 2012. And I remember this. I'm looking at the ice time count on this now. This was when Jay Jay played twenty played twenty minutes, and Alex played thirteen thirty six. Do you remember this no. game at Madison Square Garden? Oh yeah, I remember. I remember a lot of that. You played. You played twenty three fifteen. Yeah, I I remember that because I thought that was the of all the years I was there. I thought that was the toughest team we had to play against. Like we were, we were very hard for teams to play against. It wasn't fun hockey. I'm sure it wasn't fun to watch, but it was. We did. We did so many little things right, and I thought, I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen later on in the playoffs. But I think that that was that was the best chance that um, I had to win while I was while I was in Washington. Yeah, and Mike Knubel said that because I think that was his last year, and he said that if you guys had beaten the Rangers, he certainly thought you guys would have beaten the Devils in the conference final. And that was that was that was Dale Hunter hockey. It was it was a coin flip every night because you guys were always in games. And, and that game where Alex played 13 minutes, he scores the power play goal as the game winner in the third period. And so the, all of a sudden, it's like Dale Hunter. Whatever he did that that playoffs, it just turned to gold. Like everything worked for that team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it wasn't like there was a lot of guys that did not like it, but the game was simple. You know, we knew exactly what we were supposed to do. We had to sacrifice. You had to you had to lay it all out there. And and if you did, you usually got a good result. And if a game went you know, with, with no power plays, then we might have been in trouble a little bit or that game went to overtime and, and went on forever. But, you know, the, the team was, was good enough offensively that, that didn't, we didn't need too many opportunities to score. And, and the ones that we did, the, someone buried. And then, yeah, it was just, you know, it was Dale, Dale Hunter hockey. And it was short and sweet and very simple. And the game happened so fast that the, the more simple it can be, the, the easier it is for, for guys to play. And, Know, that's what happened it was still I, I still remember that you know the last that uh, that game with the double minor to yep. uh you know it was a game six maybe that it was, uh, it was game I think it was game five and you guys were about to go up in, in the series and it wound up being two two or three three one instead yeah over it was it was game five uh in at Madison Square Garden where you guys would have been up three two in the series and instead we're down three two yeah, yeah. So I remember. I just remember that very, very clear. That was, you know, it was, it was crushing. <laughs> Let's just say that it was pretty crushing. No, that that, that was a bad one. But the, the, that time was like Alex had thirty-two goals that previous year. He he wound up leading the league and, and winning the MVP in the in the lockout shortened year. But I think, and you were around for for this transition and, and and Barry Trotz coming in. I almost think Alex needed that sort of like real responsible veteran coach and Barry Trotz. And it's been full speed ahead since since Barry came in. Yeah, and that, that's the thing about coaching is that you, you just need to know how to coach coach the person and, and the player. You know, it, you have to let some guys have a little bit more freedom. And it's tough, too, because, you know, the, the, the players all want everybody to have accountability. They want everyone to have to, you know, if, if, you, if you make bad plays, then, then you lose ice time. If you make good plays, you're rewarded with ice time. You want it to be, you want it to be even, but at the same time, um, is some guys can just make better plays. Some guys just have more, a little bit more skill and, and a little bit better vision. And, and you need to give them the opportunity to make mistakes. And, you know, that's, that's how it is for young guys now is, is they can, do, they can go out there and, and they can, they can make three, four five mistakes a game to have two or three or four really good things happen in a game. And that's, that's what a, a good coach and a good coaching staff can can kind of figure out is which guys thrive off of that, which guys can need to be left alone and 
you know, don't harp on them and let them just kind of figure it out internally and which guys, you know, can sometimes get a little kick in the ass and get better. You know, I, I always said that Carly was one of those guys that if he did something bad, he'd come to the bench and he'd slam a gate, throw a water bottle, a coach would say something to him and he'd go up the next shift and he'd be unbelievable, you know, and that, that worked, seemed to work for him. You know, whereas there's other guys like me, I like to, I like to figure it out on my own. I, I knew what I did wrong. Like nobody, nobody is harder on themselves than themselves, especially in, in sports. You, you know, when you've done something wrong, you know, when you've done things right. And so just let me figure it out and I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and, and correct it. And so, so yeah, when, when Trotsy came in and, um, you know, having Todd and Lane come in as well to join Foz, that, that coaching staff was in my opinion, just, just all around solid, like a little bit of everything. Todd was so good at getting to know the person and, and figuring out what, what helped them tick and good with X's and O's. Barry was just a great communicator. I mean, he was, he was so good at making you want to play good, want to play hard and also good at giving responsibility to the other coaches to, so that we didn't have to hear Barry's voice all the time. You know, it's just, it's just smart. Some coaches don't, don't ever want to stop talking and uh and and all of a sudden you start to tune him out so i think that he was he was huge for Obi because he gave him some freedom gave him some more responsibility and next thing you know you know he did what he did yeah and then you you talked about like what a, re- a reaction of, of coming to the bench of genie kuznetsov told this story a- a- after the avalanche game earlier in the year where he he, he scored a, a great goal and then he had a just a brutal turnover on the power play, just just a drop pass that went nowhere. Colorado goes the other way and scores. And he says he goes to the bench and nobody says anything to him. No one rips him, nothing like that. And he just kind of internalized it. And he's like, well, I need to score another goal to make up for it. Scores a second goal. They beat the Avalanche six three. And I guess that's the guy. That's the kind of guy Kuzi is too. Yeah, that's it. And so you got to know that. And and some coaches don't don't get that and they they feel the need that it's almost like you feel you have to say something so that the other guys on the bench see that that okay i'm the coach i recognize that he just messed up let me make sure that all the other players know that i saw that you know and it's like you're just saying something for the sake of saying it when it's not necessarily the right thing to do and so um I, i know i know as a player that if if i made a mistake and i came back to the bench and no one said anything then you know it was it was known. Everybody saw it. It's I wasn't hiding out there, and and just go out there and, and do something better. And Kuzi has the ability to go out there and and score a goal to make it better. And that's that's huge. And a lot of guys have that that ability. So, you know, if you can do it, go ahead and do it. But yeah, a, a good coach and a good staff goes a very very long way. And the Capitals have have seen that over the years for the for the good and the bad. Uh, Carl, the, we're, no, another good episode of All's Caps. We'll be back next week, everybody, to talk. We're going to tee up uh, Capitals Penguins. Hopefully, a uh, uh, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin uh, du- dueling hat trick game again. I, I hope on, on Sunday night. Uh, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>